experts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. I enjoy exercising. Actually, I enjoy getting out, doing something, you know, having that plan, that that goal. And of course, the social aspect of it, too, meeting up with friends and spending time doing something together. Um, it's just nice. You know, I'm still undecided on the actual running or biking a gazillion miles part of it. But anyhow, this past weekend, I met up with one of my usual training partners and it just so happens that he's a pretty savvy person when it comes to finance, which I'm sure came in handy for him since he used to teach corporate finance at a major university. Anyway, we were chatting during our run this weekend and he made the comment, it's very hard to get rich quick, but really easy to get rich over time. And a bell went off. That was probably the smartest thing I've heard anyone say in about a month because it's so true. But so many investors are willing to throw caution to the wind to focus on getting rich now. If you don't agree, just look at how many new accounts on Robinhood have been opened over the last few months. Now, don't get me wrong. In my opinion, there's nothing wrong with a little speculation. But I don't think an entire portfolio should be built around that idea. One part of investing that I think often gets overlooked in good times are the dividends from stocks. Dividends are an important element in a portfolio's total return. Consider the recent results. 2015, the S&P delivered a total return of 1.4%. That's including dividends. But if you strip that out, excluding dividends the market was negative for the year, down 0.7%. 2016, 2017, well, capital gains were a little easier to come by, but the dividends still contributed about 15 to 20% of investors' total returns. And then in 2018, you know, when the Fed started raising interest rates and most indices were down, well, dividends cushioned the blow. Longer term, meaning between 1930 and 2012, dividend income accounted for 42% of the total return for the S&P 500. That's according to one of the big brokerage firms. That's a hefty number. So I do think it's important to pay attention to the dividend. It plays a big role in overall long-term returns. And that's not to say I would go out and chase yield either. You know, go out and buy those stocks, paying the, a big honking payout, those eight percenters. From my experience, when a stock is paying north of seven or eight percent in, in a dividend, it usually means that the company is struggling and the dividend could be in question. By the way, I'm not a fan of MLPs either, but that's for another day. The stocks I prefer are the ones that are paying something more like a two percent dividend but also has growing earnings. That way, management has the ability to increase the dividend over time. So I look for growing dividends from companies that have been increasing them for a long time at a rate higher than the market instead of the 
current high yielders. Because I think that consistent above market dividend growth sends three messages. It tells you one, a company's balance sheet is strong, and we know balance sheets matter. It's strong enough to pay the dividend. Two, management is thinking about the shareholders and their overall returns. And three, a significant dividend increase could be a message from management that the near-term outlook for the company is pretty darn good. The old go-tos, you know, the utilities and the REITs, the real estate investment trust, well, they're more income proxies. So those aren't really what I'm talking about today. And I'm not a big fan of either of them at this point in the cycle. Again, like the MLPs, that's for another day. Today, we're talking about the dividend payers like Merck, symbol MRK. The drugs have typically, the drug stocks have typically been viewed as the safer type stocks that pay a nice dividend. If you want a growth alternative, well, then you'd buy the biotechs, right? With Merck, and I think I talked about them last week too, with Merck, they're trading about $78 a share and it's paying a 3.1% dividend. That's pretty darn good. It's way above the market average of 1.7%. I think Merck is really inexpensive here, trading oh about 13 times this year's earnings estimates and about 12 times next year's earnings guess. It really hasn't been this cheap since the late 90s, early 2000s. But back then, honestly, they deserved to be cheap because they really didn't have much in their pipeline. Now I think they do. Has a rock solid balance sheet, which has allowed them to increase that dividend at a healthy rate over the last few years. And I think that dividend is pretty well covered too. The one thing that you probably want to look at when you do your own research, and you always have to do your own research, is look at the dividends compared to the net profits. In the case of Merck, they're paying out a little over 40% of their net profits in the form of dividends. And that's about the kind of number I want to see. Every once in a while, you'll see a company paying out more in a dividend than what they make. That probably is something that you want to take notice of. Keep your eye on. 40%, I'm comfortable with. Now, let me also say, when I'm talking about these stocks here, you have to assume that I own them and we own them for our clients or I own them for our clients. Um, So Merck is one. But if you don't want Merck, well, how about some Johnson & Johnson? some J&J. Not as inexpensive as Merck, but J&J is what I'd consider the gold standard of the group. And you should pay a little bit more for the gold standard, right? Johnson & Johnson's dividend is coming in right around two and three quarters percent. Again, well above the market average of about 1.7 percent, and they've been growing it. Over the last 10 years, they've increased their dividend by 10 percent per year on average. That means it doubles every seven years, just about. The income stream from the stock has doubled over the last seven years. Think about that. Some people don't think about their dividends because they're online broker. When you log in, it doesn't show them total returns. When you log on to your account, most of the time, all you're going to see is the capital gains or losses, right? The green number or the red number. So it's pretty easy to forget about the income that you're receiving from some of these stocks. Anyhow, J&J isn't a bad choice here. If you don't like the drugs, well, 
why not try the drinks? Pepsi, symbol P-E-P. And this is another core type stock like Johnson & Johnson. Now, there is no way in the world you could come out and say that Pepsi is really cheap because, well, I don't think it is. I don't think it's ridiculously expensive, but it ain't cheap. What I think it is, is it's a solid grower. It's going to grow earnings in mid-single digits, but they're also going to grow that dividend even faster. If Pepsi grows about 6% a year, 5 or 6%, and then you get another 3% from the dividend, well, even I can do that math. That's about a 9% total return, assuming the multiple doesn't change or what people are willing to pay for a dollar of their earnings. That's a pretty decent return from a core type stock that you're probably not going to worry too much about. If you don't like Pepsi, well, maybe look at Coke, symbol KO. I think Pepsi is a better business because they're more diversified. You know, they own Frito-Lay and Quaker, but KO is a fine company too. Want something a little bit more exciting? Well, what could be more exciting than tech stocks? I'm currently a fan of Intel, symbol INTC. And they're supporting close to 2.5% dividend, again, above the market average. And I think the company's fairly inexpensive at 9, 10 times earnings. Cisco, symbol CSCO, not the food company, but the tech company. It's a good quality business. They're paying out a bit more than a 3.5% dividend, which is kind of high. It is on the higher end. And that's because they're not growing their earnings as rapidly as they used to. If you're looking for a grower rather than a payer, well, maybe look at Arista Network, symbol A-N-E-T. Doesn't pay anything by the way of dividend, but they do generate a ton of free cash flow. I mean, a ton of free cash flow. And then they're reinvesting all that cash back into the business. And they don't have any debt. I think that one's interesting. Let's hit the bank real quick. Uh, the banks real quick before I have to get out of here. I'm a big fan of USB, US Bancor. I think it's one of the best banks around. But that doesn't matter in an environment like the current one. All the banks have gotten shellacked. They're all down 30, 40, 50%. Well, as an option here, as we get closer to year end, is maybe do some tax swapping. Make lemonade out of lemons. Make the best out of a bad situation. You could hold on to, well, let me use uh, USB as my example. You could hold on to US Bank Core right now because it's paying a four and a quarter percent dividend, which I think is safe. Or if you have some losses in it, you could sell it and buy something like JP Morgan, symbol J, JP, uh, JPM, which is yielding something like three and a half. And you could bank those losses from one of the other, uh, from, from USB or vice versa. Remember, this isn't an issue with a specific name. There's nothing wrong with the bank that you own, except that you own it in the middle of a pandemic. Okay, I need to get out of here. I'll be back next Wednesday. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. This is Eric Whiteman, and this has been that's investing.
opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the hosts and may not necessarily be those of XML Financial Group. Information provided should not be construed as personalized investment advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or engage in a particular investment strategy. You should consult your personal financial advisor before investing to make sure an investment is appropriate for your situation. Furthermore, this information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Investing strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.